0: Okay, come on, folks. Give it up here. That was funny. If you don't know that, that was funny. I'm just letting you know. And it's good to laugh. It's part uh, part of the gift of God to us is laughter. Part of the gift of God to us is to enjoy others and to see things that take a funny turn in the way they're said or people being stupid and to appreciate that and to laugh at it because that's just part of God's goodness to us. And that's what I want to talk to you about today is God's goodness. And I want to start just by asking how many of us here would agree God's good? Would you agree with that? Okay, so no doubt about it. I mean, no doubt at all. God is good. you agree with that? We all do, don't we? I yeah, just as I said we all do, you know, it just strikes me. You know, there might be some people here that are uh, going through some hurt, hurt in life, maybe some big points of pain. Maybe there's been a loss of a, a child or a family member. And, you know, maybe you're at a point where you're saying, yeah, God is good, but somehow connecting that to, to your, your heart and your life right now is difficult. And so I just want to acknowledge that, that we go through difficult times where it's hard to connect. And that's one of the reasons we need to hear this message today, because when we hit those hard times, when we hit those dark times, we need to be able to connect with the goodness of God. And we need to be able to relate to the goodness of God. And we need to still be able to have the foundation of our lives be in this truth that God is good. Because the truth is, even in good times, we wonder about whether or not God's good. E- even when there isn't pain I mean, how many of us here have wondered, God's good, but is he going to be good to me? Have you ever wondered that? You know, some people think, well, God's good, but I'm not good. And so, uh, you know, maybe God's not going to be so good to me. Or God's going to be good to me when I'm good. Then God's going to be good to me, but when I'm not good, then it's a big question mark as to whether or not I'm going to experience God's goodness, and he might not be good to me then. What we have to understand is that goodness is part of the very nature of who God is. It's just part of the foundational character of God. And so God is always good, and we can always rest in his goodness. Just, just think of creation for a moment. You know, when, you, when we have days like we had yesterday where uh, you, you see the clouds in the sky and the sun's shining, temperature's decent, humidity's fairly low. Uh, we don't get those days too often here in Cincinnati, do we, where the humidity's low? But um, it's just a beautiful day. And, you, and you, you look around and you see the beauty of creation. When you see that, recognize that all comes from God. It all comes out of God. In fact, all of creation just issues forth from the person of God. At the very beginning in Genesis 1, it says that God spoke and created light. And then God looked at the light and he said, yeah, that's a good thing. And then there are six days of creation. And in Genesis 1, there are six times that it says God looked at what he had done and said, this is good. And then at the very end of creation, God looks at it and he says, this is very good. Now we know the story. We know that Adam and Eve, whom God created, who were part of the declaration, this is very good. We know that they chose to reject God's leadership in their lives and they went, uh, they, they walked away from God and that that brought all sorts of pain and grief into this world. Nevertheless, when we see the heart of God and we see him creating, what he created was very good. And even in its fallen state, it's still incredibly beautiful. But you look around at all of the good and the beauty in the world and you have to, in spite of the pain in spite of the the storms and all of the other, you have to conclude God is good. And I can't think of a whole lot that's more important for you and me to understand than that. When we've um, been going through this series, the gospel of the kingdom, and in past weeks, We've uh, heard different angles on the gospel and just tried to fill this picture of what is the gospel of the kingdom and how, how does this message impact our lives. Well, gospel means good news and, and uh, the kingdom is the place where, where uh, God rules, where God reigns. And when we uh, have been talking about this, one of the things we've looked at is the cross of Christ and just the power of the cross of Christ. And when you or I look at our own lives and we say, God's good, but I'm different. There's something different about me. And so I know God's going to be good to those nine people or to those 99 people or to those 999. I'm the one out of a hundred. I'm the one out of a thousand. There's something different about me and I'm not so sure God's going to be good to me. When I'm saying that, then whatever it is I'm seeing about myself that I don't like, whether it's my background and I think, well, the way I was raised, I, 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 I've done some things, or uh, my, my family history, we, we, don't, we don't get blessed, or whatever it might be, you look back and you say, well, I, I destroyed this relationship that I was in, and, and how can God be good to me after I did that, or I lied, or I cheated, or I stolen, or I was immoral, or, or whatever it could be. And we look at that and we say, yeah, that, that really makes me second class in the kingdom of God. And I know God's good, but because I'm a second class member of the kingdom of God, I can't really expect to experience his goodness like everybody else does. What I'm really saying is that that part of my life is more powerful than the cross of Jesus Christ. That's what I'm saying. When I, when I don't expect the goodness of God in my life, then what I'm saying is that what I've done, or maybe what my parents did, or maybe what the part of the country I'm from, or the place I grew up, what, what I'm saying is that is more important, that is more powerful than the cross of Jesus Christ. Think about that. Now, if I'm saying, well, the way I've learned to think is going to keep me from experiencing God's goodness, that might be true, because as we're going to see in a few moments, we have to have renewed minds, and I I need to change the way I think. We need to think differently about God's goodness and about how we encounter God's goodness. It is entirely through the cross of Christ. Entirely through the cross of Christ. When Jesus went to that cross, think about this this was the Son of God. He was there when the earth was created. He was there a million years before the earth was created. Triune God, Son of God, becomes a human being, comes into this world, and he lives a perfect. And sinless life, never stumbles once, never falters once. And he goes to this horrific death. And in that, when he, when he went to the cross, he not only paid for our sin, that's one level of truth. But the Bible says he actually became sin for us. What he did was beyond anything that we can fully comprehend. I th- we'll, we'll spend eternity understanding this. But Jesus, the perfect son of God, took our sin and it not just rested on his shoulders, it became part of him. And then he died on the cross to break it. And when I say that something I've done in my past, even the most horrific of sins, when I say that somehow in my past, my upbringing or, or some other aspect of my life, I'm saying that the cross of Christ isn't as powerful as, as the bible says it is. And the truth is the cross of Christ not only killed Jesus, it also killed my old life. It took all my sin, all my pain, all my heartache. Jesus took that. He took it when he was on the cross. And now, do you know where my history goes? My history goes back to Jesus. My his, my history is now his history. And when we think of the goodness of God, and am I deserving of the goodness of God, I mean, there's a sense in which I obviously, I can say, man, no way. Look at, you know, look. But when I look at the fact that I am in Christ, you see, it's not about me anymore. It's about, is Jesus deserving? That's the question. Do you believe Jesus is deserving of God's goodness, of God's blessing in his life? Do you believe that? Do you believe that? Come on, answer. Do you? Yeah, I believe that. All right, I am in Christ. He's in me. His life is my life. And so through him, I I have full access and fully deserving to to understand and to experience the goodness of God and the blessings of God in my life. But we have to we really have to wrestle with this. God is good. We have to hold on to that. We have to say it out loud. We have to speak it to ourselves. We have to affirm it to others. We have to affirm it to God. You know, in Romans 2, 4, um, the apostle Paul was writing to Roman Christians, and these Christians in Rome were judging others. They were looking at others and the way they lived or decisions they made, and they were thinking, oh, I'm so much better than them. I'm so much more godly than that person because, look, they went to a movie or uh, they went dancing or whatever. You know, I'm so much more godly than them. And so Paul tells them this in, in correcting their thinking. He says, are you showing contempt? Do you, show con, uh, with, do, you, do you treat with contempt the riches of his kindness and tolerance and patience, not knowing that the kindness of God leads you to repentance? What he's saying here is you're judging others, but you're not recognizing that it was God's very kindness that led you to repentance. And the point I want to make from this is, it is God's kindness, His goodness, that, that draws us to Him. I mean, if He was all-powerful but not good, then we'd want to avoid Him. But He's good. And this, this word kindness here is a, a word that uh, means goodness of heart. It means He has a good heart. Now, if it just stopped there, then it might be a little iffy as to what that means, because I, I, maybe you've had people say this about you. I've had times people say about me, you know, that I did something that hurt them or whatever, but then they'll say, but I know he has a good heart. You know, have you ever said that about anybody? Yeah, he's a jerk, but, but I know he means well. I mean, you how many of us have not said that about somebody else? Come on, anybody here? No? how many have said that about somebody else? Okay, that's that's what I want to ask, yeah. All right. So when it says when it, kindness and God has a good heart, what the word means is a good heart that is revealed in actions. That's what kindness is. It's goodness that shows up in actual uh, actions. And so God is good, and he treats us in a good way. Now, uh, this whole idea of the gospel and of, of what it means to our lives in Mark 1, verses 14 and 15 Uh, Jesus, this is a year into his ministry when he started directly preaching about the gospel of the kingdom. And here's, here's what it says in Mark 1. It says, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. And he said, The time has come, the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. So the message Jesus brought is God has good news. And the good news that comes from God is because God himself is good. Good news can't come from a bad person. Good news that originates from God, originates with that person, the person has to be good. God is good. He brings good news. And the good news is this. Jesus was preaching to an audience who had been expecting the kingdom of God to come. They had promises in the Old Testament that God was going to send the Messiah into the world. When the Messiah comes, he would make everything right. He would fix what Adam broke. He would bring the kingdom of God back to earth. And so they're anticipating this, and they're thinking, this generation of Jews were thinking, that's going to happen someday. Just like we think someday Jesus is going to return. They were thinking, well, someday in the future the Messiah will come. And so Jesus came saying, repent. And the word repent means change the way you're thinking, change your mindset. You need to start viewing life differently. And the change they needed to make was that the kingdom is not way off in the distance, the kingdom is here right now. The kingdom is here in the presence of Jesus, and he was ushering in the fullness of the kingdom for all to experience. And so they had to repent. They had to, they had to say, okay, wait a second. I never expected to see this in my lifetime. I thought this was something that would, uh, that would happen in the future, maybe for my children or my children's children. But you're telling me that right now the kingdom is here. And so they had to change their thinking and prepare their minds to receive God's blessing right now. And I think that applies to us in our lives in so many ways. But just applying it to this concept of God's goodness. How many of us would not say, God is good. I believe that. I'll write that down on paper and I'll sign it. I believe that. God is good. And someday I might experience His goodness. I fully expect to experience his goodness probably someday in the future, maybe tomorrow, maybe next week, maybe next month, maybe in a few years. Maybe when I'm older, I'll get to experience God's goodness. And what Jesus wants to say to us is change that way of thinking. We need to repent of that thinking. We need to change our minds, and we need to to come to grips with the fact that God's good, not just in the future... And God's goodness in your life isn't reserved for some future date. It isn't reserved for some future time after you have read the Bible enough or after you have prayed enough. And those are both awesome things to do. Or after you have fasted enough or after you've done enough good things to make up for all the bad things you've done. No, he's not reserving it. It's it's not held off for the future. God's goodness is here today because his kingdom is here today today. And what that means is that God's goodness is available to you right now. And we need to change our thinking about this. And we need to begin to recognize every day, every moment of every day, God is good. And I'm experiencing his goodness. I'm experiencing his presence. And that brings joy into my life. And that brings laughter into my life. And that brings peace into my life. And, and there are hard things we face, and there are dark times we go through, and sometimes just excruciatingly painful things that happen. But all the more in those times I need to hold on to this and recognize God's goodness is here right now. I can rest in his goodness. I can experience his goodness. I can trust in his goodness. And if we don't have that right about God, then there's not a lot else I think that we're going to get right. We have to change our mindset in order to really grasp this. Now, in the Old Testament, um, God lived in the na- with the nation of Israel. He made his dwelling place on the earth in Israel. He centered his focus on the nation of Israel. And his intent ultimately was to bless the whole world through- by bringing the Messiah to Israel. But at that point, he focused on Israel as his people. And he had uh, a temple in mind that they would build. And there there was one king named David who was a great king. There's a wonderful king, a man that wrote many of the uh, chapters in the book of Psalms. You read about him in the Old Testament and he had a heart for God. Uh, God's God himself says, David is a man after my own heart. And so David in his heart for God, he wanted to build a temple so that there'd be a place that could be a center of worship. Up till that time, uh, they worshiped in a tabernacle, which was a big tent. Now, this tent was a temporary thing, and David wanted to build a permanent thing. But God told David, David, you can't do it. He says, you're not going to get to do it, your son's going to do it. And so David was able to accept that. And, and just say, okay, that's awesome, my, my kid gets to build this temple, that's awesome, I'm going to do everything I can to bless him, and, and, I, and I want him to take it further than I took it. I want him to take what we've learned and what we've grown in and, and take it further in pursuing God's kingdom. And so David acquired materials and, uh, and began to make the plans for Solomon to build the temple. And then David dies, Solomon becomes king, and he takes several years to build this temple. And here we see, I'm going to read this passage, of where the temple is being dedicated. It's in Second Chronicles chapter 5, and there are a couple different places uh, that it says this. But, but here's what we read. It says, "...the trumpeters and musicians joined in unison to give praise and thanks to the Lord." accompanied by trumpets, cymbals, and other instruments. The singers raised their voices in praise to the Lord and sang, He is good, His love endures forever. Then the temple of the Lord was filled with the cloud, and the priests could not perform their services because of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord filled the temple of God. Can you imagine being there? I mean, all these trumpets and cymbals and other um, brass instruments. Man, you think our music is loud sometimes? I I would have had earplugs in for this, I'm sure. But it's this, this wonderful celebration. They're all in unity, and they're acting in unison. And so it's not just a cacophony of sound, but they're acting in unison. And they're playing, and the people sing. And they sing this, He is good. He is good, his love endures. He is good, and his love endures. Notice they don't say he is holy. That's not what the angels around the throne are singing. That uh, when, when we sing and we come to this place of the presence of God, it's his goodness that draws us, it's his kindness that leads us to repentance, and it's his goodness that we, that we come into his presence and enjoy. He is good. And his love endures forever. You see, it's because he's good that his love is enduring. It's because he's good that his love is permanent. And his love endures forever. And you and I get to experience that goodness of God. And they sang it out loud. Do you know how important it is that we say this out loud? Have you ever thought about this? It's important to say it out loud. It's important to speak this out to yourself in the morning just that you get up in the morning and maybe you don't feel feel, uh, quite right yet or maybe you didn't have a good night's sleep. It's important to get up and say, God, you're good. You are good. Thank you that you are good. Even though I don't feel great right now, you're good and I worship you because of your goodness. And it's important that we say that to others. God is good. Turn to somebody right now and say that. Just tell them, look them in the eye and just say, God is good. Tell them his, his goodness is here today for you. Tell somebody that. Okay? Tell somebody his goodness is here today for you. <clears throat> okay, how many of you know this little song, He is good, he is good, and his love endures? Have you ever sung that? You know, he is good, he is good, and his love endures. How many know that? Okay, that's good, because we're going to sing it right now. (laughs) All right, so the way we do this, we'll sing it a couple times, and then we're going to start all together so that those of you that don't know can catch it. It's very simple. But you say, we'll sing it three times, and then after the third time, you would just say, he is good, he is good, and his love endures today. So those of you that know it, sing it with me, okay? Let's just start right now. He is good, he is good, and his love endures. He is good, he is good, and his love endures. He is good, he is good, and his love endures today. It's right right into today. So sing it with us, okay? You just heard it. You can sing this. Don't make me sing up here all by myself. (laughs) Just close your eyes with me and let's just worship him, okay? And the third time we'll say, you are good, okay? So we'll start off, he is good, he is good. And then the third one we'll say, you are good, okay? He is good, he is good, and his love endures. He is good, he is good, and his love endures. You are good, you are good, and your love endures today. Okay, uh, man, hold on to that, okay? That's pretty simple, isn't it? You can remember that, can't you? How many can remember that? Okay, let's sing it again, just so we remember it. Okay, this is how, this is how we need to start our days, all right? Now, it doesn't make any difference what, what I'm facing, because we do face hard stuff, but I want to orient my heart back to this, God is good, okay? Okay. Let's just sing, you are good this time. That's how we ought to sing it in the morning. Just You are good, you are good, and your love endures. You are good, you are good, and your love endures. You are good, you are good, and your love endures today. Amen. All right, so... Hebrews 1.6 is just a tremendous passage that I, I want to show to you because it, it just reinforces this, what we're hearing, what we're learning. But you take that song and sing that to God every day, okay? Yeah, just sing it. God, you're good. You are good, God. That needs to be the refrain of our hearts, and we need to say it out loud, and we need to say it to others. Here in Hebrews 11.6, it says, Without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. Okay, so without faith, can't please God. Uh, what would you think it takes to please God? What would it take for you to please God? What would you have to do to please God? What would I have to do to please God? Oh, I'd have to, uh, I'd have to witness to more people. I would have to give more. Not a bad thing to do, okay. Okay. I would have to uh, be more obedient to please God. Now, you know what this says it takes to please God? It says it takes faith. And do you know how that faith shows up? It shows up by seeking him. And do you know what the faith is in? It's in that he is, okay? Now, all of us, it's easy to say, yeah, God exists. I believe God exists and I'm seeking God. That's one thing. But to say God is and he rewards those who seek him. He is a rewarder of those who seek him. If I seek him, he's good. He's good. He's going to reveal himself to me, and that, that's who he is. He's good. He's a rewarder. He blesses those who seek him. He's good. And when I recognize that, and then I seek God, I get to experience his goodness. And just like in 2 uh, in Chronicles, when the cloud filled the temple, they're singing, you are good, you are good, and your love endures. And God just enjoys that so much, he revealed his presence through a cloud, a cloud they could see, a physical presence of God. Now, I've never seen that. I've known people that have seen it in worship when there's just the, God's presence is 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 profound and, and God chooses at that moment just to reveal his presence. But man, I'll tell you, over and over again here last Wednesday night last night God's presence was here like a fog of cloud like like a cloud of fog it was i mean i couldn't see any fog it's that but that's what it feels like it feels like fog filled the room but you can't see it have you ever sensed that sometimes it just it sometimes it just feels like it starts on the outer outer edges and just kind of like rolls to the middle just rolls in and sometimes it comes down, this sense of presence just comes down like a, like a channel from above right into the middle of the room, and then it just kind of rolls out, out out through the room. And if you're paying attention and you're used to looking for this, you can just sense that that's what's happening. And it's just an amazing thing. How many of you, I mean, I don't want to embarrass anybody, but you've experienced something like that. You've been here in worship where you just, wow, God's presence just just filled this room. And, and it just, it, it just, it takes our hearts up into him. And this is all, I mean, what were they singing when God's presence came? You're good. God, you are good. You're good. Your mercy endures, your love endures, and you are good. And there's something about us recognizing the goodness of God that just opens up this blessing. He's a rewarder of those who seek him. And the reward is his presence. The reward is the joy that comes. In His presence is fullness of joy. In His presence is fullness of joy. There's a joy that comes into our lives when we experience God's presence. I mean, it's what we're all seeking. It's what we're all longing for. Now, someone might say, well, wait a second. Uh, There are are things in the Bible that don't look good. You know, at least you wonder if they look good or not. Uh, There was a time in the Gospels when Jesus was going through Samaria, and he was on his way to Jerusalem, and he was going to Jerusalem to worship. And now the Samaritans, they were, had a part Jewish heritage but mixed with other nationalities, and they had a mixed religious approach too. And so they didn't believe in worshiping in Jerusalem. They thought you should worship in Samaria at a certain mountain there. And so when they saw that Jesus was going to Jerusalem... They they weren't too supportive of wanting to help him on his way. And so Jesus sends a couple of his apostles into a village to arrange for housing. And the whole village rejects him. Now, what happens next is uh, really incredible because here's what we read in Luke 9. It says, when his disciples, James and John, saw this, they said, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them? And, and but he said, turned and rebuked them. And he said, you don't know what kind of spirit you are of. For the son of man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. And so they want, they're, they're, they're irate. How dare, how dare they reject you, the Messiah. And they're, they're in touch enough with this power thing that they're believing that if they pray, there's going to be fire from heaven come down and consume the whole village. Now, where do you think they got that? Where do you think they got that mentality? Well, I mean, there are stories in the Old Testament of fire coming down from heaven. There's one in particular of a prophet named Elijah. And he had prophesied to a king, Ahaziah, that Ahaziah was going to die because of his wickedness. And he was a wicked king who brought Baal worship into Israel, which included all sorts of sexual perversion and, and human sacrifice and child sacrifices. So it was a horrible religion, and this king had championed it, and he was injured through a fall, and Elijah says, you're going to die, that's it. And so Elijah then goes outside the city, and he sits up on top of a hill, and this king sends 50 men out to him. And these 50 men come to him. And the captain of that group just orders Elijah, get down off that hill. You're coming with us. The king wants to see you. And Elijah says, if I am truly a prophet of God, then fire from heaven is going to come down and consume you right now. And fireball from heaven comes down and kills all 50 of them. And so the king sends another 50 out. Same thing happens. Another fire from heaven comes down and consumes all 50 of the men. Now, I read that. And, and I have to ask myself, I, I think, you know, all these couldn't have been really bad guys. I mean, some of them might have been like friends. You know, some of them, I, I don't know, maybe they were all horrible people. But, but I mean, they, they had friends. They had families. They had wives and children and mums and dads. And and it kind of stretches my mind. I don't quite get that. Now, the third group that came, the leader of that group got down on his face and he really honored Elijah as a prophet of God and said, would you please come down? Would you please have consideration for our lives? Have mercy on us and come down. The king wants to see you. But that's what James and John were thinking of when they said this. They were in the very same place this had happened. And they were taking that and they were thinking, oh, fire from heaven on our enemies. Okay. That's, that's, that's a good ministry model, isn't it? You know, we have the vineyard prayer model. Uh, how about that as a ministry model? That's what they're thinking. Good approach, good approach. And what does Jesus say to them? Jesus said, no, wait a No, no. It means strong. No, you guys don't get it. You don't understand what God's trying to reveal to us through the scriptures. You don't understand what spirit you are of. And so... There are things hard to understand in the scriptures that you might look at and say, well, I mean, after I read that, do I, you know, is God gentle and kind all the time, or is God harsh sometimes, or what? And do I have to fear a fireball? Have you ever feared that? Have you ever thought, wow, after what I did, maybe there's gonna, you know, I might be seeing a fireball come after me? Have you ever thought that? You know, when you think that, what you have to do is to say, no, wait a second, the cross took care of all of that. The cross took care of all of that. I'm in Jesus. God is good. But the, the, the point I want to make here is this, that Scripture is often presented, and biblical truth that often comes in paradox, in what are apparently oppositional, oppositional points. And the reason for that is we can't, we can't grasp it. We can't grasp the enormity of who God is without the Holy Spirit illumining our minds. And so it takes the Holy Spirit to illumine our minds to look at all of the Bible and to say, God, you're good. You are good. You're always good. And you're good to me. And I know the cross of Jesus just draws me right into your presence. And you loved me so much that you sent Jesus to die for me. And you are good. And I can experience your goodness. And I can walk in your goodness every day. And so I'm, I'm going to end. Um, well, it, it takes the Holy Spirit to grasp that. Okay. Do you get that? Uh, the paradox God is three but God is one I don't get that but it's true the paradox of uh, the horse is prepared for the day of battle that means get your act together plan get ready but victory comes from the Lord and sometimes you obey that first part and you prepare the horse you get everything all ready and then God says I got this one you can just stand down. Don't worry. I'm going to take care of it. And you don't even get to do what you're prepared to do. And God just steps into it and brings life. And sometimes God says, okay, ride that horse into battle. And God energizes and brings. But I don't understand. the, the it's, it's difficult to comprehend the balance between many things. But the Bible is so clear on God's goodness and God's love for us. And the ultimate evidence of that is that Jesus came to die for us. Jesus came to die for us. He came into this world to die on the cross for you and for me, to take our sin on himself, to take it away from us. Not just to take the penalty away, but to free us from the grip of sin in our lives and from the, and, and to give us new hearts that can recognize truth and recognize God's goodness. And so he, he, when Jesus died, the night before he died, he, he presented to us a way to remember his goodness. And he said, he took bread and it was unleavened bread, so it was flat bread, and he broke it and he gave it to his apostles. And he said, I want you to take this now and I want you to eat this because this represents my body which is given for you. And then he passed them wine and he said, I want you to drink this because this represents my blood which was shed for you. This represents the work of my cross which frees you and gives you a new life, and gives you a new heart in my presence. And he said, do this. And he said, do this, and he passed it on to us. And we know from the New Testament that it's, it's, a, it's a form of worship that we are to participate in, in an ongoing way. He said, you're remembering me, and you're also looking forward to the day I return. And we celebrate God's goodness to us today when we participate in this. We call it communion communion. And so anyone here, we're, we're going to share in communion today. In fact, right now I'm going to say that uh, those that are going to serve can go back and get ready uh, to serve communion, and the worship team can come on up and, and start to get ready to lead us in worship. And what's going to happen is that um, the servers are going to come to positions. There will be a couple up front. There will be a few in the back. And um, if, if you know Jesus or if you want to express faith in Jesus... Maybe for the first time, some of us are here and we're just saying, I I want to express faith in Jesus. And taking communion is a way to do that. To say, I'm a follower of Jesus. That's what we're saying. And we're remembering him and honoring him in this tangible way. And so the way we do it is you pick up the little cracker and you dip it in the juice and then you eat it. And thank you, Jesus, for dying for me. Thank you for giving me new life. So the worship team's going to start playing here in a moment. And then uh, let's all stand, okay? And when you're ready, you can come. But uh, Father God, we thank you that you are good. We just declare once again, you are good. And the, the evidence of this worship, of taking communion, is evidence of your goodness to us. Thank you for that. Thank you. Holy Spirit, come right now. Holy Spirit, come and fill this room as we worship. Come, in Jesus' name, amen.